Okay, welcome to the Sundown Podcast. It is Monday, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Uh, that's when we're recording this. It probably won't get posted on Monday, so don't worry. It's the start of the sixth and final marking period of the 2019-2020 school year. So uh, seniors, you're almost there. So uh, we're doing a little throwback, not on Thursday. We're doing a throwback on Monday, as you can all see already, I'm sure. We're joined by Miss Green, uh, who you all know. Every single one of you, I guess, unless you came in to Sunset not in the ninth grade, maybe, but more more of you than not have had Miss Green as a teacher, which is pretty rare at Sunset. Usually, you're even you're just on one floor, or even with uh, you know PE and art, you only get certain teachers. Uh, but all of you have had Miss Green, so we wanted to invite her on. She is also, I think, the only person that coaches full time in all three seasons. I know Mandry shares badminton with uh Jay. Well I guess in Green you guys share varsity okay. soccer yeah. yeah in the fall. Um and then she has she shares girls basketball in the winter with Miss Thome and in the spring she has her J V soccer team. So uh Miss Green is probably someone you all know the best so we decided to have her on. How you doing Green? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. Great, just great over here. <laughs> so, have you been spending uh, quarantine time? Um, you know, kind of just figuring out um, how to keep busy, how to keep occupied. Um, I picked up like a few hobbies, other than you know, the casual Netflix and whatever else is is on TV. Um, I've been doing a lot of cooking lately, um, which is pretty cool. Keeps me. Um, you know, eating kind of in the right ways um, gets me kind of, you know, thinking about changing my palate a little bit. I seem to like eat the same things quite often and, and regular. So it's kind of um, interesting to see what's out there, what I can actually make, what actually tastes good, what lack of knowledge I have about cooking. And, you know, my spice rack is probably overflowing now. And, um, you know, that's kind of something that's kind of been keeping me grounded. It's kind of an activity for me to do. And, um you know, it, it gets me out of the house every so often and, you know, stay protected and, and whatnot. But uh, so what what, yeah. what were your cooking staples prior to the quarantine and what are the new things that you've tried? Very basic, probably just like pasta with like some sort of sauce and protein, um, you know, things that I really just didn't have time to cook because, you know, I got home late. Um, so now having this kind of extra time to be able to cook and um leisurely you know not like i'm rushing and then you know i go to sleep on a full stomach i have actually time to like eat and you know kind of chill with it um so now it's kind of more like i don't know just kind of outside the box of um it's similar proteins but like just the style of cooking it is a little different um i've just gotten like you know some new sauces and flavors and kind of just trying to change up the the uh just you know salt garlic powder and, and onion powder kind of taste going Cooking is very, very popular uh, thing that I think a lot of people are doing during the quarantine. But uh, Green, so you teach all the fre- a lot of freshmen. Well, half the freshmen this semester, you had half the first semester. Yeah. So we deal with the 12th graders. You know, they have a level of maturity that is, is pretty high, I would say. Um, how have the ninth graders been dealing with the quarantine, the remote learning in, in your view? Like what? How are the ninth graders dealing with all this? 
you know, I, I really first just have to kind of commend them on like the work that they've been doing because, you know, it really hit home when I heard, um, you know, us as, you know, adults and whatnot to think about taking eight, seven, eight online classes at once. That kind of was something for me that I was like, wow, I really just don't know if I'd be able to adjust that well. Um, so a lot of these students, you know, they're getting on the computers, they're, you know, asking questions, we're having some conversation. Um, but I think a lot are overwhelmed, but I think that a lot are doing a lot better than they think they're doing. Um, you know, it just, it's hard when, you know, you're in such a quarantine, literally a quarantine space where, you know, you only have, um, certain places to go and focus and, um, if that's even available. So I think that, you know, they're doing, I think what they need to be doing for the most part, um, I'd like to reach out to, you know, if you just haven't heard from you, I hope everything's all right, just in terms of health and, and mentality wise. Um, and then, you know, kind of tackle schoolwork once we kind of figure out where their heads are at. Nice. Nice. And I see you're actually, it looks like you're at your, in your, in your home or your apartment. Me and Ishii, you know, we're still like hanging out on fourth Avenue right now. So, um, it's good to see that you're following the, the guidelines. Um, Ishii, you have anything else for Miss Green? Uh, yeah. Um, I guess, you know, uh, you're teaching the ninth grade. You got your ninth graders now. Most of our 12th graders who, who this is primarily for had you as ninth graders. Uh, do you have a parting message for the seniors? Maybe even a few memories you may have of them back when they were little itty bitty ninth graders? You know, it's, um, it's really interesting um, because since I have had so many, there's, you know, a lot of students that I'm like, when you were in ninth grade, you know, things were a lot different. Um, and now kind of just to see them um, kind of develop into, you know, young adults and be able to make kind of more independent choices and, you know, just seeing them kind of around the school and, and still, you know, saying hi to me. I think that's, you know, a huge sign of respect, just, you know, how you doing? You know, I don't, you know, I don't need like a, a full story or whatnot, but it's been really nice to actually see them from ninth grade to 12th grade. And, and that was my first freshman class. Um, my first year I was here, I taught 11th grade. So ninth grade, you know, we've kind of, we did this together in essence. Um, it's just a lot of, you know, I wish I kind of could have seen them grown a little bit more um, just in terms of staying with some of them. But um, probably my biggest memory is shout out to old age 14. Once I was able to get through that class, I was like, I really could probably get through anything. So if, you know, that was you, you kind of know what was up in that class. Um, but, you know, even seeing, you know, some of my soccer girls from, from ninth grade to, to 12th grade, you know, um, it's really nice to be able to see that, you know, development and, and change and maturity and, you know, I really wish all of you the best of luck in, in your future. And, um, you know, I'm here. You can come visit me. I told some of you I did you on Snapchat. We'll see about that um, if you can find me first. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Why don't you leave us with give us one uh, recommendation, whether it's one of the spices you've been trying, a Netflix show, some re some quarantine recommendation you can give us. Um. I think probably what's been best for me is really just try to move, try to move a little bit. If you can even just like stretching, um, it's taken me a little bit to kind of think about how active I kind of can or can't be in, you know, small spaces. Um, but if you can just kind of get up and stretch and, you know, think about yesterday as yesterday and, and hopefully, you know, build on the day as, you know, something uh, be a little more productive than maybe you wish you had hoped to have been the day before. Well said. Well said for a PE podcast. You know. 
All right, Green. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. You know, it's great to see you guys and, you know, yeah, seniors. You I wish you all the best. And, um, yeah, hang in there. You're almost there. There you go. Wise words. Yeah. Wise words Green. From, from Miss Green. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Miss Green. Good to see you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank right. you. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. That was Miss Green. Yeah, I guess if, uh, if any of the seniors have any requests for uh, special guests that you'd like to see, let us know. Uh, drop us a message and we'll do what we can to get them on the podcast. Um, yeah, for I sure. See, I see our views. Are, we're having a good amount of views on these podcasts, Ishii, so this might be something that we need to continue um, even when we get back to school possibly. I agree. I agree. And a uh, little programming note for the viewers out there. I also set it up so that uh, you can listen to you can just listen to us audio only on uh, the Apple podcast app or any podcast app. Really, you can listen to us on Spotify like we're, we're set up on all those. So all you have to do is search for the sundown in podcasts and uh it's pretty easy to find us and i'll post on schoology i'll post the audio link too to so to subscribe through spotify or whatever like um but so if those of you maybe you don't uh have for whatever reason have access to video or you're even going to go for a walk you want to listen you can do that nice nice uh how was the uh how was the weekend uh, pretty good. Uh, weekend was good. Uh, it was funny. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously now we've been doing this since late May, right? Like around May 20th or so. Uh, so, you know, March 20th, March. I'm sorry. Yeah, March 20th. So everybody, you know, like is probably dipping in and out of just going a little stir crazy, going a little nuts around here. So I, I really have to commend my daughter. She's done a pretty amazing job, all things considered, you know, and she's just turned five and all. But yesterday, she was struggling a little bit. There was a few different meltdowns over various things. And at one point, Nicole goes into her room and she's putting clothes. And Nicole in. is your wife, right? Yeah, yes, my wife goes in uh, to her room and she's stuffing clothes into a box. And my wife says, what are you doing? And she says, I'm moving out. <laughs> and then, then she's like, where are you going to go? A hotel. How are you going to pay for a hotel? I'm going to steal your pocketbook and I'm going to use your credit cards. Wow. <laughs> Girl's like, what are you going to eat? She goes, I'll buy food at the hotel. And so um, she just like had enough yeah. of us, basically. So that yeah. that's kind of scary because you know, if that's what's what's coming down the line in like ten years, you're gonna have you're gonna have a problem. Oh, forget about it. You know, what's funny though when I was, I was so you know she you know she calms down like any kid will. And I'm putting her to bed last night, and she goes, she goes. Daddy, I, I wasn't really going to move out. I know you need more than three T-shirts and one board game to move out. <laughs> like, okay. It's pretty sharp. Yeah, yeah. But like you said, right, it's it's definitely the early signs of, of what's to come. Yeah. 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 Huh. And, and we'll uh, – the nice weather uh, yesterday, all of the media, you know, with the nice weather, people want to be outside. And that was kind of like the – the big story this weekend was there's nice weather, people want to be outside, and then there's people who are, you know, not social distancing, social distancing, wearing masks, you know, it's just, I mean, I feel like this is, as the weather gets nicer, this is just going to be the, the story, basically. 
for sure oh absolutely i mean even for us like i you know i i went out for a walk yesterday and it's just it's packed you know yeah some people wear masks some people not you know you you have a yard you have a a nice yard so that probably helps but you know even that can start to feel small after many many months yeah, yeah. what'd yeah, you so, do this weekend um i was doing some yard work planting some flowers you know fun fun homeowner stuff green uh, thumb weissmuller yeah so i was doing that we had some people like pass by um you know just had like a, like we said the first uh first podcast you know just being outside is, is good for you and the the sun especially has all these benefits uh, when it comes to your health so mm-hmm. if you just be outside for a little bit get some sun um, it's, it's definitely good for your for your body and for your uh, for your whole your whole system so that's that's my uh my tip for the day yeah but um getting into our, our first segment um which is what did he say? What did he say? Or what did he do? Yeah. Uh, do you do you have anybody, Ishii? I have somebody in mind. Do you have anybody? Yeah. No. I want I want you to go first because it's a nice change up. Yeah. So my uh my 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 uh my guy today is is Governor Cuomo, and you know you know from us talking that I know I I feel like he's done a very good job since all this has started now i do we both probably think that the restrictions probably should have started a lot earlier but since he has put the restrictions on i I have been pretty impressed with the way that he's spoken the press conferences and and all that um that being said uh, we know that the mta now is shutting down the trains from 1 a.m to 5 a.m every every day now and they're doing that for a few reasons you know one is to disinfect another thing is they're trying to deal with the homeless population that are on the trains and and people that are basically sleeping on the trains overnight um which they're they're trying to to stop that so uh with this announcement governor cuomo went down to the mta you know wherever they were disinfecting trains and decided that he was going to you know get a photo op but during his photo op he you know asked one of the the workers if he can try to disinfect the train so now you have governor cuomo taking this like disinfecting hose and starts like spraying like the train and i'm kind of like all right guy i get it like you want to be a man of the people but you know, you don't need to like grab a hose and start spraying down like a, a subway car for like five seconds. It just seems like a it just seemed like a cheap photo op. Like I, I know what you're trying to do. Like you're a man of the people. I get it. You want to try and like show people that you want to help out. Maybe he was just curious to see how like this like spray worked. I don't know. But to me, it was just kind of like a I don't know, like a like a cheap photo op. I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking. Uh, what your thoughts about that are. No, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, first of all, if you're the actual hose guy, like the guy whose real job it is to be doing that, you know, you just want to get your job done. You want to come into work, get this done. Sucks to have to be working, especially working 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. That's just not a great shift. Nobody wants to do that. And, and now you got to be like, all right, I got to take like 10 minutes out of my day to give my hose to the governor so he could just 
like feel like a normal guy for like 10 minutes and then i gotta you know do to finish up my job uh so no yeah, I, and, the, and like the the people the workers for the mta were wearing full hazmat suits with full masks so it's like you couldn't even like tell who they were so it's like they couldn't even like tell like their family and friends like look, right. you couldn't even tell who they were like so it's like they didn't even get that benefit you know right meanwhile uh, Cuomo is like a suit with its sleeves rolled up like yeah, he's got his mask on, his, like, uh, governor, like, fleece or jacket, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I was just like, eh, all right, like, yeah, it's probably just unnecessary. I mean, you want to go take a tour of what they're doing, that's cool. But if you really need to, like, grab the guy's, like, hose and, like, start spraying things down, I don't know. I just thought it was a, uh, a bit much. Yeah, I, I'm also – I haven't been as bullish on Cuomo as you. I mean, he definitely has been uh, – good at sort of delivering his message and information in his press conferences. But I, you know, I don't know. Like part of me also thinks it's like who wouldn't hold a good press conference next. Like if you live in New York, you're seeing two people, you're seeing Trump or you're seeing Cuomo. And when one of two people that you're getting a lot of your information from is, you know, telling you to ingest home disinfectants to try and cure this virus and then the other person is just talking like a normal human being it's hard not to look a lot better but you know i read this article about like some of the like some of the stuff and it's pretty crazy like uh you know like on uh, he was saying that he was more afraid of fear and panic than uh, of how contagious fear could be than the coronavirus like I don't know. I think you should be a little more afraid of how contagious the coronavirus is. I think that's a lot worse. And, you know, like, I was reading this thing on on March 19th. California ordered their shelter in when they – the state of California only had 675 cases. New York, at the same time, already had 4,152 cases. And Cuomo didn't order the shelter in until the next day. Like – you know, and I mean other stuff like the schools too. Like you know, I mean, I know the schools. The closing decision was De Blasio's, but then when De Blasio said, "Well, we're not going to have school for the rest of this year," and Cuomo said, "Hold up, you don't get to make that call." Well, if he doesn't get to make that call, then and you do, then you should have made the call when San Francisco closed their schools on March 12th. There were 18 confirmed cases in San Francisco, not in their schools. Ohio, the whole state closed their schools down on March 12th with five confirmed cases in the whole state of Ohio. New York closed schools on March 15th with 329 cases. So it did. It does feel like, I mean, you did say it, but we were pretty slow in the beginning. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and you and I, people, people know, some of the kids might even know, like we discuss a lot of like world news, politics, you know, just – just to discuss it, it interests us. And I think probably the first week of March, the both of us were like, we should be shutting schools down, like right now. Yeah. Like like this yeah. the studies were showing from past pandemics or past like viral illnesses that you know, one of the the best things to do in a city is to shut down the schools. You know, it's just like Yeah. You know, and I know there's a lot of reasons why they 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 didn't want to do it you know health care uh, uh home care was one of them um the foods but 
you know, at the same time, if, if they shut down the first week of March, you know, what does the death toll look like right now? You know, and, and right. you know, and I don't know if any of the any of the journalists at the press conferences for Cuomo are asking him, do you feel like you you shut down the schools too late? You know, I think like later on it's going to come out and I'm sure and I think one of the reasons he he won't answer that question or he won't admit to being like late or wrong is that he's probably going to open himself up to, you know, lawsuits. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure that's coming. That's going to come down the down the road um, with, you know, you had all this information. You knew that it was, you know, running wild in Europe and China. You knew it was here. Why? Why did we take so long, you know, to to shut it down? And also, if if you're saying that because we had to put a plan in place for for, for food and, and this and that. And well, you know what? All these things should have been in place already. Like if there was an emergency, right. I remember you were saying that, like how, how come there wasn't an emergency plan already in place for a situation like this? Like, you know, if we had like another Sandy or, or a huge power outage or a blackout or something where like the schools couldn't be open for, you know, an extended period of time, even like two weeks, there, sh- there should have been some kind of, you know, mechanism that they could have activated to to basically do all this. Now, what they're doing, I think, is pretty good with the food. You know, there's food available. There is um, child care if you really need it for the essential workers. But it seemed like they were just behind the ball on getting these things going. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Just from the, t- the top down, it just seems like everybody was – uh, caught flat-footed, and it's pretty crazy to me when you look at uh, how how really careful everyone seemed to want to be to shut everything down. And look, it's it's hard. It is hard. These decisions are hard. It's hard to fault people for wanting to be careful to make the right decisions. You know, obviously, I think everybody understood that if you close uh, entire cities or regions or states down, it's going to have huge economic impacts that really affect people in a real way. So I get it. Uh, it's not an easy decision, but I feel like they were really slow to shut things down, and now everybody's rushing to start things back up. And <laughs> you know, there should I think the I think the priorities of urgency are are flipped here. Like it was like let's just wait and see before we shut everything down. We gotta you know we gotta get a real measure of how bad this is. But that like guys, we gotta get things started back up. I don't know, you know, like this has just been too long. Like we gotta get going again. It's like what are we talking yeah, about? And like the argument that some people to open up like right away people are throwing like oh well you know we thought there was going to be two million infected by this point and look there's only you know whatever it is five hundred thousand and it's like yeah because we we basically put all these like shelter in place orders and restrictions that helped flatten you know flatten the curve right so, yeah, the, the the projection and the models that they originally used were if everybody just did what they were doing right and school stayed open and people were still, you know, going into work and not working from home. So like that, that argument is just like a terrible argument. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, it's like, um, so yeah, I mean, of course everybody wants to get things back open. I mean, the idea that politicians don't want their States to open or their cities to open is kind of ridiculous. I mean, right. I don't know who wants to, 
like live like this. Like, I don't know anybody who wants to live like this. And yeah. nobody's saying that they don't want to do it. They're just saying that you have to be smart about it and you have to do a little bit at a time to kind of figure out like which areas of the economy or which areas of, um, you know, the working kind of pe the people, what's going to trigger another uh, a spike in cases, right? So right. like if we open schools tomorrow, you'd probably see a spike in, in like two, three weeks, right? That's yeah. kind of like what you're thinking. So they have to be smart about it. Um, they have to do it a little bit at a time so that they could kind of like control the rate of infection. So I think Cuomo's doing, that's why, I mean, I think he's doing a pretty good job of that. Um, explain to people why this is necessary. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and he's he's given the schools and the, uh, you know, the education system, you know, the education departments of, of the state time to kind of come up with a plan of, of what summer school will look like and what school will look like in, in September, which I'm very curious to see what that's going to look like, um, which will lead to our next topic, which is... We're going to talk about professional sports and mm -hmm. when they'll be coming back and what that's going to look like. So yeah. you want to you want to kick us off with that? Yeah, sure. Uh, I've actually been uh, looking at this a lot and I, I've listened to a few interesting things on it. Uh, so realistically, the league that has the best chance of coming back first is the NBA because um, they have the smallest teams in terms of number of players. They have 15 players. They have uh, uh, on on rosters. They have usually pretty small coaching staffs. And of the major uh, professional sports, I guess not hockey necessarily. I'm not really a big hockey guy. Um, I haven't really heard as much about them either, but maybe because I don't, just don't follow the news as closely. But when you're talking about baseball, football, and basketball, the actual playing surface of basketball is smaller than it is for baseball and football where, you know, securing stadium or, you know, fields and, and stuff like that are going to be harder. So logistically, I think the NBA would be the most likely thing to return uh, first. So, uh, you know, a few, like a lot of stuff on this that I, I got. But so, first of all, uh, I know a popular sentiment would be that maybe we could uh, get the NBA back in maybe just one to two locations that we could kind of keep them all isolated and um, quarantine them. So there's two locations that have been kind of scouted out. One is uh, Las Vegas, where most of the hotels and casinos are empty right now. And that's where the NBA plays their summer league games. So they're kind of set up from a court standpoint, or they have these big open spaces where they could just build courts relatively easily. Um, and then the other location is Orlando, Florida, where they, you have Disney World. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Disney um, also owns ESPN and ABC who have television contracts with the NFL. I mean, I'm sorry, with the NBA and, and you know, Disney, uh, Disney World, they have a complex there called the Wide World of Sports where they've, they've had various competitions and things and even like high school teams go take trips there sometimes. So they have a ton of courts. They're set up to be able to be televised. Uh, ESPN owns it. Um, and then obviously Disney has been closed, but they have the resorts there and they have these gigantic hotels that would be easy to uh, quarantine folks in. Now, you would still need uh, workers, medical staff, training staff, uh, you know, 
um, TV can, staff, right? TV staff, production right? Stars. Production people. So we're talking about all in, you know, couple hundred people, maybe up to a thousand people who would also have to be quarantined and probably not with their families. Um, you know, the other thing is, uh, so I think that those are the logistics. Those are just the logistical aspect of it. Basketball seems like the easiest thing to uh, to come back. And that's your opinion, or I mean, that's that's what you think. Do you think that? Because I, I have a, I have a different opinion on what's my my opinion is that would be the easiest thing to bring back. Everything else I talked about with Vegas and Orlando, like that's all pretty factual. That's like what the yeah. league is currently considering. And you think the NBA would be the safest for the players? Well, I don't know that – I'm not saying that the sport itself is the safest. I'm just saying when you're thinking about this virus and, and how it spreads and what it does, right? Like an NFL team has a 53-man game day roster for each team and a 90-player 90, uh, 90 roster to begin training camp because the NFL hasn't even started their regular season yet, right? So we're talking about 93 people per team. So you get two teams involved. So even if it's a 53-man game day roster – Two teams have 106 players plus their coaching staffs. Whereas in an NBA team, you have 30 total players. So a third, basically, of the number of people you would physically need there to play an NFL game. Plus, you know, with the violence of the NFL, you need more doctors on hand, ambulance, emergency medical staff, than you might necessarily need in a basketball game. Not that you couldn't get hurt in a basketball game or that particularly NBA basketball games are extremely physical, much more than most people realize, I'm sure, but uh, not to the to the same level of violence of football where you would obviously need far more medical people. So I just think like keeping number, I, I think anything to restart, you're going to have to have large groups of people quarantines. Just the question of how large is the group? And given the size of an NBA roster versus the size of a baseball roster or the size of a of a football roster, I think that's where your best shot is. Why would yeah, you think? I kinda, um, my, I, I really think, I mean, I think the NBA is tough. Like, as, you know, like football, you know, the NBA, well, first of all, the NBA is indoors, which doesn't help your case, right? Yeah. Um, then I, I think baseball is probably like the safest sport to come back, you know, as far as the least amount of contact amongst its players, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you and, you know, I do umpire, so you have to think about the umpires and the referees. Like, in the NBA, yep. these referees, you know, a lot of them are, a lot of them are older. I mean, now yeah. there's a lot of younger guys, but <clears throat> there is a lot of older referees, which, you know, maybe some of those guys won't be able to work these games. I, you know, I don't know. If you're, like, you know, in your in your mid, in your 60s or or you know, and you're, or you're considered high risk, uh, is the NBA going to let let you officiate those games? You know, you're within close contact with a lot of players. Um, you know, with baseball, the umpiring, you know, home plate, you know, he could wear a mask. He could wear a mask under his mask. And then the guys that are on the bases, the other umpires, they're kind of like, you know, they're not really on top of anybody. So as far as the umpiring and the officials go, you know, baseball probably is the, the best, the easiest way to social distance their umpires from the players. Then the players themselves, they're they're not really. First of all, it's outside, which helps, right? Yeah. And second, second of all, the players really aren't on top of each other. There is some contact when when you tag players, uh, say home plate or first base, second base, but you're not like constantly like standing next to somebody like in basketball. Like if you're in the 
you know, under the basket going for a rebound with somebody like nonstop, you know, it's just like, uh, baseball is kind of like, you know, you're, you're right there. And then even in the field, I mean, is it crazy to think that baseball players when they're in the field would, could wear masks? Like they kind of wear face coverings when it's, when it's cold weather anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, they could wear a mask when they're in the field. Um, and then when they're up at bat, maybe they don't wear a mask because they're, you know, they're going to be sprinting. And, uh, you know, I don't know if like the mask restricts like some of your air. Um, I also think like the, the playing surface isn't, is a little better for as far as like contracting like virus and germs, right? It's like, it's like one baseball that they, they use like a hundred baseballs. So, you know, that ball gets kind of like, you know, thrown out basically like every, every batter, there's like a new ball all the time, you know, basketball is going to be like the same ball on the court, nonstop people sweating on it. You know, baseball, these guys, they could, they throw a new baseball out anyway. Right. So I think you have less of a chance. I, I just think, you know, the other thing is also like baseball is in season. Um, where basketball now, like I don't, you know, they're gonna have to like play catch up now. The, the playoffs should be, you know, are supposed to be happening right now. So, um, well, so that's a uh, good point, and I want to get to that in a second. But before I do, I want to ask, or I just kind of want, yeah, I want to point out and and maybe get your take on. I I agree with you that baseball is probably the safest sport to play, but. I think that if we're going to restart leagues in America, right, you, you're starting with the premise that we're not going to even get going until we've tested all the players to make sure that they don't have it. And then we get them to these locations and we quarantine them, and then they basically go from where they're staying to their game field on a daily basis, right? So yeah. that's where I feel like the logistics of – it's not so much. I agree that it's the safest sport to play, but if we're operating on the assumption that none of the leagues start unless they're guaranteed that either all or a certain percentage of their players are COVID-free and that uh, you know they've or that they've been tested, or you don't have too many important players that don't have it, right? Right. Um, so if we know that as a baseline, nobody who's going to play has it, and we're all quarantining them in either one spot or various spots. To, to get things started, that's where I feel like the NBA has the advantage because with baseball, f- first of all, like you said, they have to play the whole season. So with the NBA, you can dramatically shorten it, and when you're doing playoffs, you don't even have every team involved. So the number of teams shrinks dramatically. It's not all yeah. 32. It's like 8 to 10 teams. So the number of people stays way down. You assume they're all COVID-free, and then – you know, since you have a smaller number of people, you can isolate them all in one spot where you can use a whole Disney hotel, like a team on each floor or, you know, something like that. I think that's harder to do with 32 major league baseball teams who will require, uh, you know, a variety of fields in various locations around the country to have to deal with. Right. Cause if you were going to do it, you can't put all 32 teams at just one spot in like Arizona, which was floated. I know. Right. So like, you would have to choose like New York would obviously be like a terrible option, but you'd need a place where you would, you would have like say eight teams go to one location, say in the Northeast, like maybe all the AL and NL teams are in one spot, maybe like somewhere in Vermont, say where it's like a little more isolated. You'd need a place for all of them to stay. That was an incredible, like an, like a very controlled atmosphere and then get them to and from. 
and you know you get into like equipment too but with basketball it just seems so much easier because if you're in a playoff situation now they would have to play some regular season games this is important as you always say follow the money right most nba teams have played 63 to 67 regular season games they need to hit 70 games for the league to get its full payout from regional sports networks like msg or whatever for the season and then that money is shared between the owners and the players so you know with the nba that close to 70 games they're finishing out a few games but then after that you cut the personnel way down because then you have like 10 12 teams left that are in the playoffs or i'm sorry 16 teams in the playoffs yeah and it's going to be interesting to see you know obviously the owners don't have you know they're they're not out there playing but it's going to be interesting to see the players unions to see what they come up with, you know, because yeah. they're going to want to guarantee their own health. Right. So, which you can't blame them. So this is going to have to be uh, negotiated amongst the players unions, the league and the owners and the yeah. officials unions, you know, because yeah. the officials have their own union also. So yeah, um, it, it will be interesting. Um I do then, think, though, the players are also motivated by money because their 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 contracts will probably get prorated, especially if they don't get the TV money. Right, and it will be interesting um, to see like what would happen if you know a player on a team, you know, is positive. Like then what yeah. happens? Like the team that shoots the whole thing. Right, like the team just doesn't play their games. Do they forfeit? Like does the game get rescheduled? Do you you know you you would think that they would probably be testing nonstop. Like that would probably be what would be, you know, that that would have to be one of the stipulations is that these teams are just going to be tested. I mean, they, we, we know they have the financial uh, capability to do it. And also, you know, they have their own medical staff, like they'll, they'll, they'll be able to do it. um, But I'm, and I'm sure that's going to be like the top thing. Like they're just going to be tested probably daily. I, w- I would think that's yeah. You would have to. You would have. You know, they probably all get the antibody test, um, which right now is. It seems like New York. Well, New York City, the average is like twenty percent of people testing positive for the for the antibodies. Now, if if COVID was already in the NBA, which we knew some players were uh, asymptomatic, um, you know, I'm curious to know like what what their antibody rate is, right? So yeah. Um, Testing's going to have to be like a thing. I mean, that's just what's going to happen in order, probably in order for the, the players' unions to agree to come back. So, um, but like you said, and like I said, follow the money. There's a lot of money that's out there right now. So, yeah. uh, you know, I know we're talking about major sports, but, you know, golf courses opened up um, in New Jersey um, this week also. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, professional golf gets back going. Um you know, that's probably like the easiest sport to kind of absolutely social distance and and quarantine. The guys aren't, you know, they're not running. I mean, I know golf can be strenuous, but, um, right. you know, they're not running. Those guys actually could wear masks, like walking around the course and then take it off to do their, you know, to tee off or, or to, to pit, you know, to putt, whatever. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if golf comes back actually first when you're talking like professional sports. That's true. Those would be some of the the highest rated golf tournaments in history. I'll tell you that. Yeah, people are itching for some kind of like live athletics. Uh, you know, I'm sure. And I know the UFC they 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 were kind of like 
also You've got an island about, right <laughs> yeah they were talking about doing it also you know again it's one-on-one yeah um you know it's easier to kind of like you know they're, they're not constantly playing every day so it, it's probably easier to kind of pick pick out people who are confirmed cases um but we'll wait and see and, and our school g our discussion is going to be revolved around these topics about professional sports right yeah so yep uh people should look on Schoology, fill out the discussion, uh, you know, listen to us and then, you know, let us know what, what you think. And we'll have some questions there for you to answer. For sure. And one, one more financial issue I want to bring up with you about, uh, about these pro sports coming back. I want to get, I want to know what you think of. So the NFL, their TV contracts are up this year. And the NFL has by far the biggest TV contracts in all of professional sports. So they're up this year. And, a lot of network revenue is going to be down because there's less advertising because there's less live TV. There's less even new TV coming out. So will the networks be able to offer the NFL as much money as the NFL is expecting? And if not, is this what inadvertently causes the NFL to start looking for alternate ways to put their games out and swoop in and be like, we'll stream all your crazy amount of money that no network is going to beat. And then what, you know, what ends up happening there, I think will be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, they're already, they're, they've already started to do that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if like they'll have less, nego- you know, less uh, leverage and negotiations if, if the ratings are down. But, if you know, they released their schedule recently. So, I mean, if they start in September, I mean, people are going to be dying to watch football. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so it might be in the best interest to re to negotiate now, right? Because if they don't play, the the league doesn't have a lot of leverage. But if they do play, the ratings will probably be sky high, and then you know the league has the leverage. So maybe maybe they both you know kind of like scare each other into you know doing the deal now. Um, Yeah. So still still a lot out there though. Still a lot out there. For sure. For sure. All right. Good episode. Yeah. And again, uh, if anybody has any uh, requests for, for a guest, let us know. We'll, uh, we'll see what we can do to get them on. And if you have questions, um, let us know also. Um, anything else over there? What is that? A Yeti, a Yeti uh, sponsorship that you just yeah. the window there? <laughs> yeah. Yeti. There we go. Oh. Very nice. It's blending in. There you go. All, All right. right. Well, I guess I'll uh, we'll we'll talk again later this week. And yep. um, to the twelfth graders, this is this is it. Last mock period. Get yep. it. Get it done. Here you guys go. All right. All right. Later. Bye.